0: I'm back. It has been a few weeks. I got sick the week before Christmas and I got into the holidays and just decided, you know what? I'm going to take a few weeks and log off of social media in some form. I didn't post much except on Christmas. And um, if you follow me, I hope you saw we had a blast with my family. My family lives here in town with us and My husband's family is in Uruguay so we always spend Christmas with my family most years and it was so it was so much fun so if you followed along thanks for um, commenting or it was just fun pictures to meet to have my new niece there and it was a blast anyways I'm rambling Um, so today's episode she is a mom of about a year and a half year old boy and she's married. She's 23 years old and she is sharing her story with the world. She actually reached out to me, which we will share that story in this episode and how we got connected. And we'll, you'll also find out about halfway through that we had no clue where each other lived in this world. And it's pretty fun to hear uh, like the actual location of both of our homes. So um, stay tuned for that. It's a fun, funny part of the episode in my mind, but Um, So I would love to welcome this gal to the back porch. Her name is Tori Peterson. She has an incredible story about going through foster care. There are so many parts of this episode and in this conversation that gave me major chills and also made me tear up a few times just Just tune in. She's, I just am so excited you guys are here and listening to this because I know you probably just like get to it, Kylie. Like, let me, I'm going to fast forward if you don't stop talking. So, I'm going to stop talking. Please welcome to the back porch, Tori Peterson. Well, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: It's so fun to have you. You are you have some gumption to reach out to all, like to people and just ask to share your story, right?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, love that. I, I'm sure to stay, share. I want yeah. people to know it. I want people to be encouraged by it.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you um, reached out to me and found me on, fa- on Instagram, right? Like it's just yeah. super random.
1: Oh, you wouldn't know how I found you. I going to tell how? you this. Yeah. So I follow Annie F Downs. Yes. And it is like my dream to be on her podcast. Mm -hmm. I love her. And I actually (laughs) saw that you commented and asked, How do I figure out how to be on your podcast? And I was like, ooh, bold girl. I like her. I love like boldness (laughs) and just like asking. Yeah. This woman who is who, you know, if we look at like culture and like Mm -hmm. followers, you know, she's like She's like the top of the tier. And you were just <laughs> like, I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, girl. That's yeah. And then I just clicked on your Instagram because I was like, oh, I want to see this girl. And I was yeah. like, oh, she has her own podcast. I want to know her because she's bold and she's brave. That's I want to be cool. her friend.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I was like, well, because she puts on her Insta story, her Insta bio, like she doesn't go in her DMs. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna put something on her comments," and she responded, or her media person, whoever responded, you know. But the she funny thing is,
1: responds to all of her comments. Yes,
0: that. I did um, email her, and I about a week ago, and I got an email back today saying she's booked till summer. I was like, "Okay, well, just you know," <laughs> she's like, "They they did tell me reach out again in the summer, so you know, they probably book out a, a year in advance. That's just part of being big, you know." I would imagine. Yeah. Anyways. Enough. I love Annie F. Downs. Shout out to her. I'll, yeah, I'll take out her out, in hi. this. Yeah. be <laughs> like, Hey, we want to um, talk with you. She does that all the time to other people. We can do that to her.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. There you go.
0: Um,
1: okay. And she's really generous at sharing her platform. That's what yeah. I love.
0: Yes. I,
1: That's like, not yeah. just like, name people. She wants mm-hmm. to share a platform with like everybody. Yeah. Everybody who's good and wants to um, proclaim the Lord. Right. Exactly.
0: Oh, I love that. She's great. I'm so glad I was introduced to her. Once I started loving the Enneagram, all these people came out of nowhere for me to follow, you know? Yes. She's the best. Um, Okay. So I want to get into it and hear about your story because you have an incredible story. I cheated and already listened to it on somebody else's podcast. So, (laughs) but I want to hear new things. Um, (laughs) So walk us through like how you were brought up, first
1: of all. I grew up with my single biological mother. She is diagnosed with severe mental illness, bipolar and schizophrenia. Okay. And because of that, she was either gone a lot because her Mm -hmm. bipolar mania translated really well into work. She could work really hard. She was a really good saleswoman but if she was around, it's almost like the anxiety and the mental illness took over and she would become very verbally, mentally, and physically abusive.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So how, um, how old were you when like you got into like, what happened to get into the foster care system?
1: So I first went into the foster care system when I think I was four. You know, when you're little, you don't really have an idea of, like, how old you are or the time. But I think I went in when I was four. And I stayed there for what I think was about six months. And when I asked my mom, she said six months. It felt like years. Yeah. Six months. (laughs) And then I was reunified with my mom. I went into the foster care system then because... She was a drug dealer mm. in Ohio with her boyfriend. The SWAT okay. team came in and with caseworkers and took me. Wow. And then I was reunified with my mom because the plan in foster care is always reunification. It's always yes. to go back with a biological family if that is possible. Okay. And my mom rehabilitated. I went back with her, and I lived with her, actually, until I was days away from 13. Okay. So, it was good
0: from then on.
1: She worked a lot. Yeah. So, she was rarely ever home, and I would say I ran around a lot. Yeah. I would go to friends' houses, and I had a little sister. Okay. Who she was born, she's nine and a half years younger than me. I take care of her. So I mean, I was pretty preoccupied. My mom sold vacuum cleaners from wow. sun up to sundown. She was never home. So and when she was home, it was it was usually pretty bad. There was mm-hmm. a lot of verbal and physical abuse. And she was married to my sister's dad. And she was okay. very harsh to him. So then, while she was selling Kirby, she actually got in a car accident. Okay. And that put her on disability and put her out of work. Interesting. So, she was at home all the time. And the mental illness just kind of took over. Because it didn't right. have any way to express itself positively. Yeah, that makes sense. And... My mom did take medication, but she also did drugs Uh. and drank. So I think with that combination, the medication didn't really work. So when I was 12 or 13, somewhere around there, I actually got in a fight with my mom. Okay. She had me pinned on our kitchen table and there was a tape measure on our table and I picked it up and I threw it at her and then she called the cops at me on me I went to the juvenile detention center for 18 days wow and then I actually went back with my mom and we went to court like maybe the next day or a couple days later and I had a court appointed special advocate which is like a, a lawyer for children And their job description is to advocate for what is in the best interest of the child. So this, I'm going to call them CASA. That's what they're called. Okay. So this CASA, I have a right to speak to them alone. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to get me alone and ask me questions about my home life and my mom. And my mom was following us around. And she was making threats to the CASA. Oh, no. And she's saying, you can't take my daughter alone. This is against my right. She's a minor. Mm-hmm. And whatever room we went to, my mom somehow ended up outside of that room. And when we thought that we finally lost her, I told the CASA everything about oh. abuse, about some neglect. And then my mom was sitting outside of the room.
0: Oh, no how'd that go?
1: It was really scary. I just, it felt like I got stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Because it felt not because I thought I was going to get in trouble or anything, but it felt like I, I did my mom wrong. Yeah. I wasn't loyal. And she always said stuff like that like I wasn't loyal. If you tell them you're right. not loyal. But and I know now that is a way that she manipulated me when I was younger. Sure. But I just felt like I betrayed her and my heart was broken for her, but I also knew that I did not I didn't want to live with my mom anymore. Yeah. And she always she'd also always said really bad bad things about the foster care system, she'd say, oh, if you go into the foster care system, it's going to be way worse than if you live with me.
0: Okay. Jeez. And you're so young not to know any different.
1: Right. Right. And, but I was to the point, I was like, maybe I'm going to give this worst thing a chance. Wow. It was really bad at my mom's house. She, okay, I want to give you some examples of like really, really bad because it was more than like the physical abuse. Sure. She, I was conceived out of rape and oh, she would buy wow. a rape product and she would say that I ruined her life and she wished I was dead. Oh, one time that's her, worse
0: sometimes.
1: I think verbal abuse, yeah. Is worse. I think it's what well, I'm in McDonald's. Okay. Someone in the community just waved to me. To that's me.
0: okay, <laughs> it's all right.
1: So, sorry, where was I? Um, um, verbal okay. abuse. <laughs> this is the wildest story because yeah. I did not learn how to drive until I was 18 and a half because foster kids cannot get their driver's mm. license. Oh, and really? My mom, in some, it, it depends on the state to take, okay. state, to state and county, to county, but in my county, I couldn't get my driver's license. So m- one time my mom accused me of stealing her car and uh, oh, man. for just an entire day of you stole my car I know that you did crazy things with my car wow so it was a wild time
0: yeah so I just can't imagine like it makes me recognize how blessed I am like you are in a different way but like growing up you know like that makes me Quite, like, why was I, I, you know, like complain. have you've probably heard this before, like people that grow up in a nice family, like, why did I ever complain about my parents? Well, because I was a teenager and that's just the part of being a teenager, you yeah. know, it gives me good perspective. That's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so have you like, what was, what were you like as a kid in the foster system? Like, were you different than we, that you are now?
1: I don't know. I think as a kid in the foster care system for everything that I had went through I think I was a really good kid yeah good I I know that I think that people perceived me as bad and that was really hard I think that's Mm. actually why I strive to be so good because there's so many stereotypes that revolve Mm. around foster youth and there's so many statistics that Mm prove those stereotypes right. Mm -hmm. And I had friends, parents that said they couldn't hang out with me because I wasn't there. And that was really hard. And I remember, I, I remember telling myself my freshman year, I'm going to be valedictorian. And in my speech, I'm going to show all these parents that I'm a good (laughs) kid because I got good grades. Right. And I didn't end up being valedictorian. My four left me my junior year when I took geometry. Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you tried, it's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I really strive to be what you would say, quote unquote, a good kid, because I wanted my life to be normalized and I felt like I had to earn everything. I had to earn all my privileges. And when I was in foster care, the rules for foster children are very strict. So I cannot right. ride in people's cars unless they had a background check and a proof of license and insurance to the oh. county and they had fingerprints. I could not go wow. to people's house, houses unless they, they would do it through the county.
0: Right. Well, that makes sense though because it's, it's, you're under the county supervision, technically right? Yes. So that makes sense. They make those rules, but yeah.
1: Yes. But people think it's so weird. Cause they're like, I don't want to go get fingerprints so you can come to my house. And I get it. Right. It's invasive. Yeah. Especially when people don't like government entities. Sure. Which I grew up in a more conservative town. Okay. So I think it made people really uncomfortable. So I didn't, I was pretty isolated. And so then I'd be sneaky <laughs> and I I wasn't supposed to ride with people in their cars. So I was 17 and I was still riding the bus. Yeah. That's... I don't want to ride the bus. I want to ride with my friends. I could be driving my own car right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I lived in one of those really nice neighborhoods where all the houses look very similar. And some yep. of my schoolmates lived down the road and they would come pick me up and we would ride to school together. <laughs> And I got caught and I got kicked out of my house.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. At 17? hmm How many houses did you go through between 13 and 18? 12. What? I know. I so know. is that just because like, okay, I don't want to sound rude, but is that because like the foster parents give up on you or is there something that like the system just moves you?
1: Like, how does that work? No, the system didn't move me. It's really hard for the system to find homes. If it was up to them, yeah. they would- Keep kids in the same home forever. That's I mean, what I thought. Some of, it, some of it, I just really messed up. Like I wasn't oh. a very good kid. Yeah. There was a, there was a couple of those, but most of them just really were not a good fit. And and then there was little things like they they kicked me out because I wouldn't ride the bus to school. Right. I felt like that was kind of giving up on me.
0: Yeah, that's a little too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not there, but yeah, I could see that.
1: And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not them either. And I know when you're a foster parent, you get violations if you break rules or if Mm. you don't supervise your child so that they're following rules. Gotcha. So they really, this family, they couldn't have biological kids and they really wanted to adopt. And if they would have gotten enough violations because Mm -hmm. I wasn't following the rules, they wouldn't have been able to adopt. So, okay. and Makes no, one sense. Wants, no one wants to adopt older kids, except you. You're the only person right. in the world who wants to adopt. Older right. Kids.
0: So before <laughs> we started recording, I'll tell the listeners, I told her me and Darwin would love to foster teenagers because we don't want babies. <laughs> it's so terrible to say that, but it's true. But like you said, teenagers need to need to be fostered or, you know, at least in the same home for so many years, you know, maybe not adopted, but at least in the same home, I think, yes. you know, a stable home.
1: And we were also talking about instant family before we yeah. started recording. And I yeah. think that is such an accurate picture of how teenagers are when they're in foster care. They're mm-hmm. just pushing and pushing and pushing because they really want to see if the parents truly do love them because right. love has been so conditional for probably their entire lives.
0: Mhm. How true is that? So, I'm a, I'm an, I, I don't know why I forgot. You weren't adopted, right? I was right.
1: I was never legally adopted. I feel like, I feel adopted in my heart. Now. Okay, cool. When I was 18, I emancipated out of the foster care system. I experienced homelessness, just bounced around from home to home. It honestly wow. wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of liked it couch because, surfing. <laughs> yeah, It was the first time I was like pretty free in life. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal. I know homelessness yeah. sounds like, Oh my gosh, it's homeless. That sucks. Like it <laughs> actually does suck for kids who emancipate out of the foster care system and our government could do a better job. But <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was really fun. It wasn't yeah. that bad of an experience. And I'd say the, the worst experience was I slept in someone's basement and it had a lot of mold in it and I had never had an allergic reaction to anything like wow. I still to this day I have never had an allergic reaction to anything but that basement my body went into hives and my throat closed and I like couldn't breathe I, had a, I didn't have any form of transportation because I still haven't had my license yeah. cause I had to call my mom I called my biological mom and wow. I was like oh I have to go to the hospital because my mom is actually allergic to soy and soy you know is in everything yeah And every time she eats soy, her tongue swells up, and her throat swells up, and she can't breathe, and her lips get really big. And I was like, Mom, I think what is happening to me, what happens to you is happening to me. And so we went to the emergency room, and I was having an allergic reaction to the mold. So that was really the only bad experience that I had. And then I just left the next day, and they were super understanding, and I was so really grateful that they offered me a place to stay. So... I ran track in high school, my birthday's in February. So I emancipated out of the foster care system in February, and I still had a semester of school left, of high school. Okay. And I still had a track season left. I had been running track since my seventh grade year. And the summer between my junior and senior year, my track coach told me that he thought that I could win the state track meet and get a scholarship to college. And this was like super crazy because I had never even been, To state individually. Yeah. But he said that I could and I didn't really feel like I had a reason to believe in myself. But this guy isn't the kind of guy that would say something that he didn't mean. And then he also added a caveat and he was like, I think you could win if you did everything I said. And I was like, in my little like stubborn mind, (laughs) I said, Oh, I'm gonna just do everything he says, and then if I don't win win I'm just gonna blame him
0: (laughs) yeah exactly oh my gosh I'm the same way
1: (laughs) I I literally did everything he said I trained really hard for probably about nine months okay and he was my track coach I usually found rides to track practice because I actually wasn't in high school I was taking post-secondary classes online oh okay and God just orchestrated all of that. That's a whole other wild. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I can go back to, but I was taking post secondary classes, so I usually found rides to track practice. My school's out in the country, and then Scott, my track coach, usually drove me to wherever I was staying that night. I couldn't stay with him because of like legalities, right? Right. Type of oh yeah. School stuff, and yeah. I totally understood that. And we were riding home wherever he was going to drop me off. And he said, well, oh, it's, you know, this spirituality thing is so complex. I, know. <laughs> I, I, I say that I was not saved. I did not give my life to the Lord and say that I'm going to live for you. I love you. I recognize that you died on the cross for my sins until I was 17 year old. But I see like all throughout my life. Yeah. How God was just there and present and knocking at my heart.
0: That's so cool.
1: And so even though I didn't really give myself to him until I was 17, I feel like I knew little parts of him and the mystery of him. Right. From, from really as long as I can remember from when I was just a little girl. That's awesome. So that, I had this hope about my life that I just feel like I shouldn't have had Mm -hmm. in all of the turmoil and the sadness. It was a divine hope that was gifted to me. It was not something that I could have had on my own.
0: Yeah. I, gosh, that's, that's awesome. That it's so fun in anybody's story to look back and be like, God was there every single step of the way. And somehow you knew it. You just, didn't announce that you knew it, you know, like, and that's okay, but that's so cool, so, because you mentioned you went to youth group in, like, middle school.
1: I went to youth group in middle school because I had a boyfriend in the seventh grade, (laughs) and my mom told me I couldn't date him unless I went to church on Wednesday nights, so I started going to church, and actually, We were doing the worship thing, and the worship leader, who was also the pastor, asked, Do we just want to do one more song? Like, isn't it awesome to worship Jesus? Yeah. And I was like, No, I just want to sit down. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, What's the big deal? Like, that's how clueless I was. Now, my favorite part about church is worship. Like, I'm like, Can we just do one more song? Like, let's go. I got to sing his praises. It's so I'd crazy love that. how God just like redeems our hearts.
0: What, um, what church do you go to in Albert Lee? I go to Hope Church. Hope Church. Funny. That's your middle name. Yeah. Like it, a constant, it's like a constant in your life. Yes. You just, yeah.
1: So now I, I started going to youth group and then I actually, after my first foster home that I went in with my sister, we were separated okay. and she had to stay at that home And then I went to go live at a group home and I felt like I was there for really unfair reasons. My sister was abused. I reported it Mm -hmm. and they said that I lied and I was unplaceable. I just put quotes there, everybody. Unplaceable. (laughs) Wow. They put me in a group home facility with girls who were labeled that they had behavioral issues or severe mental illness. And I did not have either of those. And I was pretty angry that I was there.
0: Then it puts you as like your behavioral because, or emotional. Right. Yeah.
1: So I was pretty angry that I was there. Granted, I look back now and they had really good counseling services that I really needed. I didn't know about counseling when I was 12. So looking back, that part was a blessing. But when I lived there, I went to church because I thought that if I went to church and I got baptized, God would let me out of the group home.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: not knowing what salvation or baptism was. Yeah. And obviously, it must have not have been explained very well at that church, or I really just was not paying attention. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I did get baptized Well, yeah. I was in the group home. And then I left, like, a month later, and I was like, it's because I got baptized. Oh, a month later. (laughs) That's
0: hilarious.
1: Yeah, so. Oh, my gosh. And then when I was 17, 16, 17, I lived in my second-to-last foster home, and they said that they were Christian. They proclaimed Jesus' name. They did devotions at the table every night. We went to church, and I was like, okay, I'm starting to have a lot of questions about God and school we were reading Ayn Rand and Ayn Rand has a philosophy that endorses atheism. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. He said when track season is over you can be a part of our family. Oh my.
0: I just got chills. (laughs) That's so cool.
1: He said I asked my daughters and they would love you to be their sisters, and I would love you to come home for the holidays. You'll always wow. have with us. That's amazing. And then he said, "It was like too deep, you know." He was like, "Okay, you need to stop couch serving <laughs> 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 because the state track meet is in like a month, and I need you to get stable sleep. You need to stop sleeping on floors. <laughs> and you need to have stable food, and da 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 da." like, God, "You need to find yeah. a place to stay by tomorrow, and it can't be my place." And I was like. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're Thanks like, for that. great. Any ideas? <laughs> Thanks for both of those things. Yes. So I found a place to stay. Stayed with my youth leader. Cool. and she was my youth leader more in junior high than in high school. Okay. And That is, her willingness to take me in was really big and a huge sacrifice because my mom had actually made a lot of threats to her because she knew how close we were. My mom was really jealous and she said that she was going to kill her and kill her kids and her house, crazy things. And she was really scared to take me in, but she knew that I didn't have any other option Mm -hmm. really. And so it was a huge sacrifice and just... The epitome of putting your trust in the Lord for the sake right. of so much. Right. Wow. So that was really inspiring. I stayed with her and then I did. I won the state track meet. I became a five-time state champion. I was the 50th girl ever in Ohio to win four state titles in one meet. Dang, girl. the first individual female at my school to be a state champion and the first colored woman at my school to be a Whoa. state
0: champion. Whoa. Wow.
1: It was amazing. I got a full ride to college. What? Yeah. Where'd you I, go? I, so my freshman year, I went to Ursuline College. Okay. Then weird stuff happened. My coach was fired. There's some kind of investigation that I don't really know about. I don't understand what happened. <laughs> but because he was fired, NCAA rule says that the athletes cannot be released unless the athletic director and the coach approves of it. Because he was fired, it was approved. And then people started reaching out to me. I was actually going to school in Cleveland, Ohio. I had never really lived in a big city. And I had just become a Christian, probably been a Christian for like eight months. Wow. And living in the city was not good for me. Mm -hmm. I was making really bad choices. And I knew that I was a Christian and I knew that I loved Jesus, but I did not know. I didn't know how to live like I did. And like I was, and there was no one who was really helping me do that. So I Googled most religious colleges. <laughs> I love that <laughs> America. Oh my gosh. Thank God for Google. Yeah. <laughs> okay, The first one, I knew that my religious ideas, the first one on the list, I knew that my religious ideas would not align. Okay. But them and then the second one was Hillsdale College okay I reached out to the coach I played hard to get (laughs) I I wanted a full ride and I wanted him to really want me and he did he there was actually no doubt that my college coach didn't want me and was ever trying some coaches can try and like take advantage and be like we'll give you five dollars no right yeah, he was never like that. He was a cool. very honest, good man. And I think that speaks to my college. That's the kind of people that they hire. And that's the kind of people that go there. That's so cool. I went to Nosedale College in Michigan. It was a division two liberal arts college.
0: Nice. In Michigan. And now you're in Ohio again? Right? I'm actually
1: in Minnesota. What? You're in Minnesota? Did you know I'm here too? Girl, I didn't. one, I did not know you were here. And two, I have the same reaction every day. Like, what? I'm here. I'm in Minnesota. Why Hi are no. you living here? Why are you... <laughs> Thank oh you. Do
0: you live in Minneapolis? I live in Where Albert Lee? Lee. Where do you live? You live in Albert Lee? I'm in Nino. <gasps> we could have just met for this.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, people. I, I did not time. know we were this close. <laughs> okay.
0: How so now we actually have... have to be friends. <laughs> we do have to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I thought I saw on your Instagram that you were in Ohio. Probably because okay. it was like a post from a while ago.
1: No, I bet you did see that because two weeks ago, like right... Before I reached out to you, we were visiting family in Ohio.
0: Okay. Well, there it is. What the heck? You're in small town Albert Lee. Are you kidding me right now?
1: Okay. Listen, though. (laughs) I don't like the snow. I don't like the coat, but I love this community. It's a Uh good community. And I love the lakes. Did you know there's three lakes here?
0: Yes. I mean, yes, I knew there's lakes like in every little town you go to. At least (laughs) one.
1: uh, It's cheap to live here, it It is very cheap. cheap. Albert Lee.
0: I lived in, um, I lived in Arkansas, which is cheaper, but not as pretty. And yeah. so we moved here because my whole family's here. We moved back when we had our one, once our for oldest was a one-year-old, we moved back to Mankato. I grew up here. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. Well, now we can, now we can be real friends. We'll have yeah. to come to you. More than podcast friends. That's awesome. I love that. That I makes like. me just—I just feel more connected with people. Somebody commented on another post of mine. They're like, "I'm from Minnesota too." I was like, "I just love meeting fellow Minnesotans."
1: It's like we just have this connection. Okay, um, you are not allowed to call me a Minnesotan. No, oh, I can't call you that. I, I don't think so. How many think, years have you lived okay. here? Listen, I was born in Texas, so I love Texas. So I love to say that I'm a Texan. <laughs> I don't even—I don't even
0: remember it. You don't even have a southern <laughs> accent. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> When
1: did you guys move to Minnesota and why? We moved here right after our honeymoon. So wow. we graduated from college. Yeah. We got married the next Sunday. Wow. And then we went on our honeymoon to Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was amazing. <laughs> we went cave diving. Is that what it's called? And then we moved to uh, Minnesota because this is where my husband got his job. Okay,
0: cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? It's a good place to live. And like you said, Albert Lee's cheaper than Mankato too. So it's a cheap place. Yeah. You're in a good place. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Um, okay. I want to hear, I want to go back a second. I want to hear how you, um, how did you get to know Jesus? How did that happen?
1: That suffering aspect of it. Right. And as I was going to church, my questions started to be answered, but then my foster parents abused their kids.
0: Oh, your Christian foster parents? Yeah. The ones that, oh
1: my gosh. And wow. They had a really good reputation in our town. She was a child psychiatrist, so... Whoa, she was, a ve- she was very good at saying the things that she was doing were natural consequences. So, an example was one of the little boys pee the bed, which is very common. It, Any with, little boy, yeah, the little boy, and especially kids who have endured abuse, right? And she homeschooled him. Because she had adopted him. Oh, okay. And one time I stayed home from school and she was making him bathe in his urine. What? And she poured his feces on his head. head. <gasps> and, she, and she, I don't know how she did this because I, I'm like, I'm 16, 17 years old. I still think, like, Tori, how could you believe this lie? But she said that that was the natural consequence and that. If she did that, he would no longer pee the bed. And she said that was the, the psychology of it. And I said, what? Hey, what? I, don't, I don't know psychology. She's a child psychiatrist. What right. do I know? Right. And then I had a boyfriend and he came over often. They allowed him to come over often. And his dad was a pastor. He was a good Christian boy. Mm-hmm. And... They had a Rottweiler, and they would have the Rottweiler chase the little boy and bite him, and they would say, "Oh, we're just practicing for the dog. The dog is practicing for if intruders come into our house." And I was like, "Oh yeah, of course they are." Like, and and they would say, "Like the little boy thinks it's fun." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, of course." What? And then my boyfriend, everyone went inside, and we were outside with the dog, and my boyfriend said, "You know that's not right, Tori." what they're doing. And I thought she's a child I told him, I said, wow. she's a child wow. psychiatrist. She knows what she's doing. And he said, No, they're manipulating you. Wow. And my eyes were just open I was like, oh wait, this is this isn't the abuse I experienced because I experienced like kicks and hits yeah. and snaps. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, this is abuse. But it's like an abuse that's much easier to hide. So I was taken out of that home and I was really angry at, I don't want to say God. I wasn't angry at God. I was angry Mm -hmm. at Christians. Mm -hmm. I was like, you guys, you, you Christians, this is what I was thinking at 17, you Christians put on this Christian facade to make yourselves look good, to keep your good reputations in your towns, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not to love people like the church is saying we're supposed to do and then i was in my last home and this woman was so incredibly godly so incredibly sacrificial loving she made sure that i had everything that i needed i'm kind of high maintenance i've always been high maintenance (laughs) and she was a very strong woman she she presented herself as very strong. she just never skipped a beat. she was mighty, intelligent, and I wow. felt like that was the only kind of woman I could identify with at the time. I had oh. seen such sweet, soft Christian women, and I was like, that's not me. Mm-hmm. so I must not be Christian." And sure. I also grabbed on her philosophy because it made more sense to me at the time enduring all the suffering that I had I didn't understand how there could be a good god Hmm. and I experienced suffering and I lived in this group home where girls experienced way more suffering than I had yeah and even though I had questions about God and I feel like my heart was yearning to know him. So I ran I ran track in high school. Yep. And I just couldn't understand. I wanted to be driven to practice every single day. And I was also taking post secondary classes and she took me to my college classes. And I I'm, I'm pretty crazy about eating healthy. Yeah food she made sure that i had the best track spikes and she bought me that she was not a uh, she's not a healthy eater but she <laughs> bought me like and i realized that that manifests itself in love
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was in her house that i realized that we humans endure suffering because we're reflections of Christ. And Christ endured the ultimate suffering right. for us. I want to try my best, my very, very best, even though I fail all the time. And try my best to live my life like Christ and be a professional lover. That's as he was. That's the gospel right there, people. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know? I mean, and now you're so you are you're you do you see your purpose to be like talking about foster care? Like what is your what do you see like Is it just sharing your story so people can see the, like you've, you've said some pretty really disheartening stories and it's depressing because like that makes me want to do foster care even more or people should just jump in because like good homes need to be, but there's just so many bad homes out there. It's really sad. And I think you sharing your story is a, is I want you on every podcast, like, or every tv series or whatever it is news channel because i think there's not enough people like you out there sharing that and being just real about it Mm -hmm. and but you're out of it so it's hard it's now you can look back and see it as like that's what i went through i moved on but it's not good you know like it wasn't a good thing but there's there's so many people in it now you know that don't know how to talk about it or can't talk about it so Do you see yourself as like, you're the voice for those people, for those teenagers
1: or kids? (laughs) Yes. I really have a heart to encourage youth in foster care because the journey is so hard, Mm. but I don't believe that it's purposeless. Yeah. And I really have a heart to encourage the church. I don't think it's everyone's calling to do foster care, but I do think it is the church's purpose to rise up and be that community and fill that gap in the best way that we know how with the gifts that God has given us to serve families, foster families, biological families, adopted families, because family is the foundation of our society. And when we see things fall apart and when we are angry at the culture we're living in Mm -hmm. we just we have to look at our family structure and it always comes back to ourselves what can we do in our Mm -hmm. family where we are to change the culture that we have
0: right how can the church find the foster care community and find those kids that need to be surrounded how does that How does it, I'm not saying the church building, you know what I mean? Like, how do we as a church find them? Like, how do you support, you know?
1: So social media is an amazing resource. Everyone says, I hate social media. Social media is so bad. (laughs) No, it's not. It's the most amazing community and it gives so much good information. So I really encourage people to, and we're on it. We're on it a lot. Uh-huh. So if we're going to be on it a lot, let's use it for good. Yeah. So look for ways to educate yourself and find good resources on social media. And then secondly, county agencies. Every county is different, but usually county agencies hold informational meetings. You can meet other foster parents. And even if you're, you don't want to be a foster parent, you can ask foster parents, can I make you a meal on Thursday night? Cool. Can I bring you, usually when foster children get, come into foster care, they come with so little. Some come with nothing. Wow. And so asking a foster parent in your church or in your community, if you know they just got a placement, what can I bring you? Do you need a car seat? There's so much paperwork they need filled out. Do you need me to watch your kids while you fill out paperwork? Hmm. Do you want, you just want company? Do you want someone to sit with?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
1: It's almost just how you would serve anyone else in your community, really.
0: Right. No, I just didn't know, like, if there was, you know, a way to like.
1: I would definitely say go to your county agency. Every county is different, and I've only experienced two, and that's the one I grew up in, and then the one in Albert Lee. Yeah. But. That's cool. Go Um, to Your county
0: agency. Yeah, I'm gonna end it there because I like. I'm gonna ask you one more question, but I like the. I like kind of like the call to action, you know? I think that's something that it just needs to be said, like church rise up, you know? This is, well, even like, I was thinking, as you were saying, you were homeless for so many months after you were emancipated. We have a huge homeless community in this town and I'm sure Albert Lee does too. And there's a good resource here. There's shelters and there's a lot of, there's a big, um, what's it called? The reach for teenagers, homeless teenagers. And, um, I don't know what Albert Lee has or what other communities have, but I know there are things out there to, you know, kind of drop in and say, how can I help? And so I think if you're in Mankato people or Albert Lee that Notori, now you know who to go to or what ministries to go to or whatever. Um, okay. So one more question. It's hard to go into this because we're on a totally different subject. But if you had one saying that you'd want to see every single day on your mirror, what would it be?
1: Do the next thing in
0: love. Do the next thing in love. I love this. I love the answers because they're all different and I get all these new things I can put on my mirror.
1: (laughs) Yes. That is not, that does not come from me by the way. That is plagiarized by Brennan Manning. I love Brennan Manning. you know Brandon, no one knows him. So kind. And then we would do devotions at on her bed at night. And if I asked her questions, she was just so gentle. And sometimes she'd say, I don't know. I love when Christians say I don't know. I wish I could do that more actually.
0: Yeah. thank you so much for listening. I know that ended kind of on an abrupt note, but I'm really glad you tuned in today. Um, Follow Tori on Instagram. Her handle is in the notes. It's Tori Hope Peterson. And make sure to see where else she is sharing her story as well. She is a speaker. She writes a blog, she's on podcasts, she is super fun to chat with and so young, like she is doing a lot for her age. (laughs) Um, And so please let me know if you have a story or if you have somebody that wants to share their story and is afraid to reach out, please send them my way. I would love to have you on the show as a guest. Um, Thanks for tuning in today and we will see you or you will hear me next week.